Welcome to BWI Live. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. It is a big game coming up tomorrow. And as always before Penn State, Michigan, over the last couple of years, Clayton Safey of the Wolverine is joining us to talk about the game. And I'm excited for this. Uh, Clayton, uh, as I explained to him before, and for any new people watching the show today, maybe some people from the Wolverine coming over from our sister uh, site at the On3 Network, I'm going to break down five things that I think are interesting five different aspects of the game that are, uh, I think, pivotal to what's going to happen tomorrow. And Clayton is going to give the Michigan perspective on some of that stuff. We're having a great conversation, get you informed about what might happen tomorrow between Penn State and Michigan. But the first thing, Clayton, um, is there is some breaking news here before the live show that I want to come to you uh, for because obviously the uh, sign-stealing scandal is continuing to unfold and there is a new development this morning. So what do we know uh, based on the report from just about 45 minutes before we went live today? Yeah, so Michigan sent its response to the Big Ten, uh, which informed Michigan of an intent to punish uh, or potential punishment uh, just a couple days earlier. They sent that on Wednesday. Big Ten has looked it over, and it seems like early afternoon is going to be when we'll know if the Big Ten punishes, it seems likely at this point, and, and what that punishment will be now is really the big question. Could it be a suspension for Jim Harbaugh? You know, people reporting that could be a three-game suspension for Jim Harbaugh. Uh, Tom Mars, his attorney, also says today that he will be on the plane one way or the other. Michigan is scheduled to leave at 1 o'clock, so at least he's planning to be on the plane. So if the Big Ten doesn't come down with something before they depart, then, uh, then you know, He's he's going to be on his way and will be on the uh, on the team plane there. So it's unprecedented. I mean, incredible. You could probably see the bags under my eyes. I mean, it's been a, <laughs> a long few weeks covering this whole thing. It's absolutely yeah. nuts. Um, and the fact that he may learn on a plane to Happy Valley that he's going to be suspended is crazy. Now, here's where it gets interesting as well. Even if he is suspended, Michigan is prepared to file an injunction in the court or a temporary restraining order. Um, and he may be able to coach on Saturday anyway, because yeah. they feel like if you read the 20 pages of documents that they sent the big 10, which I don't blame anyone for not reading. I did. I didn't, I will yeah. be honest. I didn't read that. Yeah. Um, so it, basically their response was setting up potential, um, you know, a, a potential legal case here, um, you know, not to bore anyone, with the details, but essentially, you know, what the Big Ten has presented Michigan is that so far they only have evidence of Connor Stallions doing, you know, these different things. Um, and, you know, there's nothing implicating Jim Harbaugh's awareness or involvement or any other coaches on the staff. And that's kind of Michigan's argument. Hey, let the NCAA process play out. You don't have any reason to step in here prematurely, you know, due in part to Big Ten competitors, you know, other coaches yelling at Tony Petiti, it seemed like on a Zoom call last week or the week before, right. getting the days mixed up, um, saying, hey, do something here. So that that's kind of where we're at at this point. Um, and uh, we will see what the afternoon brings. Yeah, it's uh, going to be a jam-packed Friday news dump, Clayton, and you'll be on the way down here to Happy Valley. Um, so yep. it's going to be a busy car ride. Hopefully you have a hot spot and uh, unlimited data because I, don't, I do not envy you <laughs> in that particular situation. <laughs> um, one thing that I should mention before we get started into the five things is that uh, if this hasn't whetted your appetite for more information, I don't know what is going to, 
it's a great time to sign up for Blue White Illustrated. Big game offer. New subscribers, you get 50% off the yearly price. Clayton, I tell everybody every single time, if this is your hobby and your passion, spending $50 for unlimited entertainment, information, all of that at the on three sites is just such a great deal. Like if you like video games, a video game when you buy new is $60. If you like alcohol, you buy alcohol, you buy like a really nice spirit, it's way more than 50 bucks. And those things don't last you 365 days. Those are just two of the things I thought of that dudes like, Clayton. What are some other things that you could spend $50 on? I'm just, I'm just kidding. You don't have to come up with anything on the spot. But you guys, are you guys running a similar thing uh, over at the Wolverine this week? Yeah, so if any Michigan fans did join in, I dropped the link a couple places. Um, yeah, they can head right to the Wolverine.com. We got the same deal going on for the big game week, 50% off or a dollar for your first month. So yeah, I mean, people spend money on all sorts of stuff. I mean, coffee every day, that sort of thing. I mean, if a lot of people are addicted to coffee, caffeine, a lot of people addicted to uh to the information that your site brings and our site brings. So why not uh why not uh join in? Absolutely. And speaking of, let's dive into the five things that are going to help determine Penn State and Michigan. Here's number five. Number five. So as, as you may know, Clayton, I spend a lot of time, a lot of my time every week watching the film, trying to understand the opponent, trying to give Penn State fans an understanding of what's coming. And I could not believe this one. The Michigan offense has gone, I think, full spread. 166 of J.J. McCarthy's dropbacks have been with motion. 66 have been without. So the majority of this offense, they do a lot of interesting things. I'm a fan of some of the the, the ways that they're getting players open and stuff they do. But this, it, it's it's kind of a side note a lot of times when it comes to offense and it, you know, do you run the ball? Do you pass the ball? But using a trick, I don't want to say a trick, using something like this as a base in your offense feels like really smart coaching to me. And it's done a lot of really good things for the offense. Um, you know, what have your observations been? And do you think it's had the, the impact that I've described here? I love that this was one of the things because it's honestly, it's one of the biggest noticeable differences between last year's team and this year's team. And I think it's just, Sharon Moore is their sole offensive coordinator now um, and, you know, ha has obviously more control, as much control as anybody in the offense. And he's done a really good job with this. And I think they've they've done a good job kind of mimicking some of the stuff that's going on in the NFL right now. When you look at yep. the Miami Dolphins, for example, who I love watching yeah. and I love watching the the pre-snap motions where in Penn short State motions fans will... too, like the, the short ones, like yes, giving a guy in. Yeah. For sure, in or even out, like you'll see this tomorrow, you know, for Penn State fans that haven't watched a ton of Michigan is they'll have a guy lined up in the slot. They'll motion him. He'll just be sprinting towards the sideline. Then they'll snap the ball and he's basically already in kind of like a quasi like wheel route yeah. type of thing. They'll do that with Tyler Morris, their slot. They'll use Roman Wilson, their speedy a receiver number one on a lot of motions. Um, they'll motion the tight ends, obviously do a lot of the traditional stuff to kind of figure out maybe what the defense is doing and see if they can tell if they're in man or zone. And J.J. McCarthy has been really good at reading uh, the defense pre-snap and post-snap as well this year. And he's just so experienced now. I mean, he's played over yeah. 30, I think about 35 games at Michigan, started, you know, over 20 now. And it's just such a difference. And really, I think, you know, I'm sure we'll get into a little bit more with Drew Aller and everything. But I, I feel like Michigan is 
is in a point where, where a Penn State's going to be at a year from now at the quarterback position when Aller gets all these games under his belt. Right. Because J.J. last year, um, you know, mistakes here, mistakes there, inconsistent decision-making. I mean, he has been so clean this year. Yeah. Uh, this will be a tough task against a really good Penn State defense. But the motions have been awesome. It's something I don't even think Michigan fans or, or media are talking enough about. So uh, you picking up on that I thought was fantastic. And, and they'll also do this, too. They, they have Max Bredesen, number 44, who's kind of like a fullback, yeah. tight end, H-back combo. Yeah. He'll even motion one way, motion back the other way, and then like already be set up running at a dead sprint to uh, to lead block around the end. Stuff yeah. like that, that that's pretty creative. Um, that's another NFL thing, too, uh, to yes. use. A lot of times, NFL teams, especially if you look at the Rams and some of those more creative schemes, they'll use a, a receiver to be a lead blocker, and they'll use that motion, which can look like a couple of different things, and then all of a sudden, you've got 44 coming around in a pull to a lead block. That has been, that's been devastating. I want to ask you this, and I don't mean that this in a disrespectful way. Uh, it's good coaching and good scheming, as we just described, but when it comes to open throws, it feels like McCarthy has a lot of them because of this, of getting angles and leverage for Roman Wilson, helping get players off press. Um, is it creating easier throws for him, not every play, but more consistently so that he doesn't have to be, you know, the, the most precise, the most on all the time. It takes some of that off his plate when they have shifted to more of a, of a passing team. Is, is that a fair way to describe how this is affecting the offense, um, in kind of a general sense? I would say so, you know, to an extent, um, you know, I also think, his ability to buy time in the pocket as well has been, and I'm, I actually think we're going to talk about that in a second. So I don't mean to get ahead of ourselves, but I think that has allowed the guys to get open because it's just hard to cover a Roman Wilson or, yeah. you know, a, a receiver, any receiver for more than a couple seconds. Um, so that plays a factor as well. I think if you watch the Purdue game, he was, he was off a little bit accuracy wise, still completed 65% of his passes, but that was 13 points down from the completion percentage he came into that game with. Yeah. Um, he's been really precise when he's had to. If you look at the Michigan State game, the game prior before the bye week, um, I mean, some of his touchdown throws were like, you know, skimming right past the defender's ear hole yeah. of their helmet. Um, and, you know, he's able to, to use that fastball when he needs to. So it's been a good balance. You know, I mean, I, I wouldn't call this an elite receiving core by any means, but I think Michigan's done a good job of getting him open, like you talked yes. about with the, yeah. some of the motions. Um, and then JJ's just been really good when he needs to be at at getting the ball in the right window. I I was watching the Indiana game earlier this year and I was just noticing the difference of guys that have tools. Both of these quarterbacks have great arms, but JJ McCarthy and I I deem this and probably people here on the YouTube show are getting a little annoyed hearing this, but the athletic hubris that he plays with, the confidence mm. in his arm to put it in tight windows where uh we've seen Drew Aller be safe, methodical, careful. We saw a little bit more of that the last two weeks of Aller kind of coming out of that shell. I'm excited. I hope that that matchup comes up this weekend because it's going to make a very good game. But you're right. We need to get on to number four because to me, it is the craziest stat we're going to get to today. Number four. Now, a lot of these things are skewed in a lot of different ways, but... 2.5 seconds is a really important stat in this game. It's going to set up the next uh, two things that we're looking at. J.J. McCarthy, when he throws the football, you mentioned extending plays. 
in under 2.5 seconds. Quick throws, rhythm throws, things like that. Four touchdowns, 756 yards. When he extends the play, over 2.5 seconds, 14 touchdowns, and nearly double the yardage. Um, can you describe, other than extending the play, like what is going on here that he is so effective when he is holding onto the football? Because usually there's either a better split, you know, more a more traditional split of it's a little 50-50. You don't always have so much success leaning one area. Or when guys hold on to the football, they're less successful. So what's going on in the Michigan off again, offense here? Yeah, I'd say like a year ago when he held on to the football, he was less successful. I don't have the yeah. numbers in front of me, but it, at least less successful than he is this year. And he didn't know when to exactly run. A lot of times he would just kind of take off um, and take some unnecessary hits, which is something that that he's kind of known to do as well. Um, they've tried to keep him, you know, as, as upright as possible. Uh, but this year, the decision making has been really good where, you know, and, and this was particularly evident early on in the year. Maybe it was just because he was, you know, it was the beginning of the year and you really were starting to see the improvements that he made. But it's like he will look like he's about to run. He's going towards the line of scrimmage, but yeah. his eyes are downfield. And again, I just think a lot of that comes with experience. He knows what he's seeing out there. You know, he trusts his eyes um, and then he'll he'll make a throw down the field um, when it comes to what is actually happening, you know, on some of these plays. I think it's a, a few times, really, you know, he should he should have been sacked so far this year many more times than he has. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he'll get out of there and, you know, keep his eyes downfield. And then the receivers have been so good at the at the scramble drill. And they, they talked about that this offseason, how they really worked on that they knew that the play's never dead when number nine's back there well okay we got to put him in the best spot we got to be in the best spot to get open so roman wilson has been the recipient of those uh, i have a stat from sports info solutions i think roman wilson still leads the country in um broken play touchdowns mm -hmm. and then jj mccarthy's just behind caleb williams with six of his touchdowns are on what they call broken plays he's 14 of 16 completing broken plays um, so when the play breaks down, when it's, you know, you're no longer running the route that you were originally running, JJ McCarthy can, can buy enough time and the receivers can get open enough for those to still be splash plays. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out against a Penn state defense that has the best pass rush by yeah. far Michigan will have played and really the best defense overall. This is an outstanding, outstanding Penn state defense. Um, so I think that plays a, a factor too, is really. A lot of the year they haven't played, you know, too tough a competition, but yeah. it's just his, you know, I do want to, I do want to ask you about that. I do want to ask you about that. Yeah. How, how do you square? And this is, this is the, the mistake that I think some of us made last year is trying to understand what is on tape and what isn't on tape. And that's a whole nother story. Mi Michigan, not playing a lot of fourth quarters. They've used a lot of base offense, especially in the run game where they, they haven't done a whole lot of tricky things from what I've seen. It's been pretty yeah. much standard. Um, but the the schedule allows you to do that so they have dominated jj mccarthy individually the things we've talked about these are i uh, clearly translatable skills that have that have gone from it's not just an easy defense they're playing but they are playing some bad defenses watching the nor watching the nebraska defense just be totally confused as to where anybody is in coverage and safety spinning around like it was a little bit sad to watch um how do you square the schedule versus how they've played and how that matches up with a good, you know, a really good Penn State defense. What what are your calibrations for how you fix all that in your mind? 
Yeah, I mean, that's going to be really interesting because it's just weird with how the schedule is set up where we're this late in the year and you still have a couple questions. Uh, both offensive tackles, Carson Barnhart on the right side, Ladarius Henderson on the left side have kind of struggled a little bit in pass protection here and there. Um, and that's, you know, allowed J.J. McCarthy to to take a couple hits. Um, you know, it's also led to some of those plays where, you know, sometimes those are actually their best plays. Is All right, well, he just skirts right around the pocket and, and gets out there. Um, so, you know, I think against better edge rushers, they've got to be much, much better uh, in those situations. The offensive line has to protect. The backs have to be, you know, sound with whether that's chipping or, or knowing when to leak out of the backfield to go on a route, that sort of thing. They got to be on point with all of that. Um, and then I think, you know, the defensive backs for Penn State are going to be better than what Michigan has faced. So, again, like I said earlier, I don't think this is an elite receiving core by any means. They do have some better players. I think it's better than, you know, a lot of people, including me, thought it was going to be coming into the season. Mm-hmm. But this is kind of when you have to go out and prove it, right, in, in the games that it that it matters. So I don't know that they'll have guys running wide open in this game. Um, and, you know, I think Penn State's coverage will be very good. And maybe they don't, you know, uh, move the ball as well as they have. But I think it's going to come down to, you know, just making those plays when they need to, putting those drives together when they need to. Um, so, yeah, it's really it's, it's a question that I'm waiting to, to uh, figure out an answer to as well. It, it's it's a it's going to be a really interesting matchup, especially on uh, this side of the ball, which is why we're going to stick there for number three. Number three. So like we just mentioned, Michigan's offense, very different than what we've seen before. And this is kind of a strength versus strength battle. Uh, Penn State, the best, as Clayton said, the best pass rushing unit that uh, Michigan has faced this year. So some specifics in that Penn State leads the Big Ten in quick pressures. So pressures under 2.5 seconds, getting to the quarterback quickly. They, they do. Manny Diaz does a great job of scheming guys open uh, in the pass rush, but they also can win one on one on the outside. One of the things last year that uh, was a major factor in the game is I felt like and I, I feel this way again this year. If you put Michigan's tackles in obvious pass rushing situations, the data and the film say that you can get after them. Last year, Penn State never got them in a third and long. Like they were never in an opportunity to actually rush the passer where the defense has the advantage. But Penn State this year, you know, leads the Big Ten in quick pressures. They have a deeper, I think, front uh, to to do a lot of different things. So with a vertical offense, and a lot of J.J. McCarthy's passes have been downfield. A lot of uh, ISO and deep crossers and things that get those chunk plays in the offense. He's extending those plays. Another reason why he has so many passes uh, that are over 2.5 seconds is it's kind of baked into the offense. To me, this is a huge matchup, Clayton. How do you see Michigan... Um, handling Penn State, and how how do you think they can they can in the situations to operate the offense as we've seen? Do you think they can get that done uh, against as we just talked about the the best pass rush that they've seen this year? Yeah, um, I mean, I, I think they can have some success. I think Penn State will have quite a bit of success as well. Again, I mean, I think people are a little bit worried about how their tackles will hold up in in pass protection. Um, you know, and then if guys aren't, you know, if that happens and you have more guys on you quicker, um, then you don't allow those downfield routes that you're talking about, um, to develop and to get open. JJ has been so good at the kind of intermediate routes. You know, Michigan hasn't run a lot of just go routes and, you know, they have run a few, but 
really, it took them several weeks to even run a lot of those. I don't think they needed to most of the time. Um, but it's those intermediate, the deep crossers have been, you know, him to Roman Wilson on those have been really, really effective. Cornelius yep. Johnson as well, number six. Um, so I, I think that's that's something that they probably won't get as many of those. They may need to take what's there a little bit more. Um, and then, yeah, Manny Diaz, obviously very creative, you know, with his defensive game plan. They're going to be aggressive. Linebackers are going to blitz. And Michigan's got to, you know, communicate well and pick those up. So I think, um, you know, it is interesting with this matchup because Michigan, like you said, has not really been a, a running team. I think people aren't talking about that enough. Yeah. This has been more of a passing team. They've actually run one more passing play than they have run play with when JJ's in the game. Of yeah. course, they've run more than pass because they've been leading by so much in these games. Exactly. And, and brought the backups yeah. in and everything. But this is a different identity for this Michigan team. And they're hoping to get the run game going. They want to stay ahead of the sticks. But even when they don't, JJ's given them, you know, a chance on third and long, which I think has has been really important. Yeah, that's that's another thing. Is like you can't say, okay, they've been ahead of the sticks because there's multiple examples of third and ten, and he's throwing an absolute seed on an out route for a first down. Ryan says limiting the run game will still be key. McCarthy is great, but still not convinced he can win a game on his own. Interesting. I think that you know we've talked a lot about all of the, the factors in the offense, but we haven't mentioned, as you just said. Not the same running team as they were last year. But again, this is the thing is last year leading into the Penn State game, they were by concussive force a good running team. There were a lot of inefficient uh, decisions of just kind of running inside zone and man into fronts that were designed to take that away. And Blake Corum was excellent, right? So Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards, they were explosive. What's the difference this year? Because I still think early in games there is that mentality of trying to establish a run be that team obviously they will when they need to shift and go go to um you know the passing game with McCarthy do you think that's accurate of what I just described of trying to still be that identity early in the games or is it really they're they're just running what they want to run and uh they get to the passing game when they get to it yeah, I think it's a combination. I mean, I, I do agree early on in the games in the script, it seems like they're they're trying to establish the run a little bit, especially over the last you know couple of weeks. The Purdue game, they it definitely seemed like they wanted to do that. Um, the the difference has been, I think, the offensive line and the lack of displacement or push that they're getting. You know, these are guys that are playing you know fundamental football. Uh, they just aren't maybe getting the push that they got last year, and they had Olu Oluwatimi at center a year ago, wins the Remington Award, wins the Outland Award. Uh, you know, that's not a small thing. Drake Nugent comes in at center. He's a Stanford transfer. He's been pretty good, um, but just not as big, not as as powerful as Oluwatimi's been. And they're not getting to the second level as well as they did a year ago, which they did, you know, better than anybody. They win the Joe Moore Award for the second straight year. I don't think this is yeah. going to be a Joe Moore Award winning offensive line. It's still pretty good. Um, Blake Corum hasn't quite gotten in that rhythm that he did a year ago coming off of the knee injury, uh, maybe not as explosive, doesn't have as many big runs. Um, yeah. And part of that obviously has to do with the offensive line. Donovan Edwards, who had a big game against Penn State, has been pretty quiet in the run game, isn't getting much yards after contact, but he is a threat out of the backfield yeah. as a receiver. Mich you know, Penn State will see him in the slot. They'll see him out wide. They'll see him running routes out of the backfield. He's dynamic in that in that role. Um, but it's just been one of those things where the offense is more efficient than it was last year, even though the run game's been worse. And a lot yeah. of that has to do with the the pass game. So they're kind of fine doing that. Um, I, I do agree with you. I've been saying it all week as well. 
don't feel like they showed a lot against Purdue in the run game. Don't feel like they showed a lot really all year in the run game against Purdue. We didn't see any pin and pull, uh, any yeah. of some of their staples that they run. So I think they're going to have some wrinkles. They didn't involve J.J. McCarthy in the run game. He's really effective on some of those yeah. read options. So that's something Penn State, I think, is going to have to be ready for because Michigan's going to you know, pull out a few more stops in this game. KJ Johnson here in the chat. By the way, if you want to ask a question of either of us here on the show, always love to interact with uh, the the chat here live on YouTube. KJ, one of our regulars, I think he nails it, Clayton. He says Penn State has got to keep home, uh, has to get home and keep McCarthy in the pocket. Um, wasn't in, uh, impressed with the pass rush against Ohio State a couple of weeks ago. Wonder how well the front seven will perform on Saturday. It's not just in the pass rush game, though. I, as you just said, J.J. McCarthy's legs selective use so far but unbelievably devastating when he gets out of the pocket do you think that's i'm always now against michigan i'm always on the lookout for where are the wrinkles coming from where are the things we haven't seen um two things that i'm looking at the and i, I don't, you don't need to answer both but uh the pat short passing game if they don't want to go deep as much and then mccarthy running the football D do you think this is a game where you could see him break a couple big runs and kind of get the the michigan offense going in that way I do. I think they're going to use him quite a bit more. They've been really selective with it, like you said, and they, they've been intentional about that, clearly. Um, and they've they've talked about that. Mo can't get much out of the coaching staff on that, but J.J. has talked about how they, they kind of rein him back. They don't want him to take hits. He's a yeah. hockey player who uh, who likes to take hits, and that's kind of the issue that the coaching staff is. has with him. Uh, of course he is. Sharon Moore calls him a psychopath. So, uh, um, you know, that's kind of where they're at. But I, I think they're going to – not throw the kitchen sink at, at Penn State, but I think they're going to have basically their entire playbook yeah. at their disposal in that area, including the short passing games, maybe the screen game if, if Manny Diaz is going to dial up a blitz. Uh, but at the same time, you gotta you got to protect um, as well, and, and maybe that'll take away some of the running backs going out on routes on traditional pass plays. So it's going to be an interesting, interesting chess match, I think, between the Penn State defense, the Michigan offense, and really the other side of the ball too. Yeah, yeah. A couple things I noticed, too, is that uh, some similarities between the two is you're not getting a ton of five-man routes from Michigan. They do like to protect. Manny Diaz loves to blitz. So uh, Manny Diaz, I think, manufactures a lot of three-man three, three -man routes just with the pressure and the nature of the way they attack. Sure. So that's yeah. going to kind of be, uh, good, again, good on good. This is shaping up to be a really good matchup with the Penn State defense and the Michigan offense and finding out, you know, the paths to victory I always look at. I think Michigan has several paths to victory. On the other side, I think one key matchup, I'm super interested to find out how this one plays out. We'll get to that now. Number two. So I was playing with numbers with a theme for today. So this is zero versus 12, Clayton. Uh, Mike Sanderstill versus Penn State's 12 personnel. Two tight ends on the football field. How has Sanders still been against the run so far this season? And how much has he seen uh, a, a lot of 12 personnel, two tight ends, big formations? Because it seems like from the, the number of snaps that Sanders still is their nickel defense. He's a starter for them that he's out there no matter what. Is that, is that right? And how has he performed? Yeah, that's that's pretty much right. Like there'll be even a couple times where they are in, which is their base defense, which they don't really run all that much three down linemen two edge rushers two linebackers and then four dbs and he'll be out there as the outside corner just because they want him to stay on the field gotcha. um but it's it's basically a base nickel defense and 
I think early in games when teams are in 12 and they're going to run at them, they'll probably go with three down linemen. Uh, and they do have some really good defensive tackles. But for the most part, they're going to try to stop the run in nickel. And Mike Sainer still is tiny. He's the smallest guy on the field. He's probably pound for pound the toughest, though. And they will run blitz him. And he's been really effective in that way. So he is not a guy that that you necessarily can run right at. This Michigan defense is built to stop the run with a light box. They don't want to load the box to stop the run. Their D tackles, what they call block destruction. They destroy blocks. They allow the other guys to flow to the football. Um, So that's kind of been their MO over the last few years, and it's really worked. So it'll be interesting to see if Penn State starts to have some success on the ground. Will they go away from the nickel and and bring some more guys in inside? I think that's certainly a possibility. Um, Michigan has been a little leaky against the run like for a drive or two in, in certain games where it's like, yeah, okay, that's Minnesota. a little mini concern. You put it in the back of your head, but they haven't been tested by a team that's as talented as Penn state. So maybe Penn state will have some success and then we'll have to see how Michigan adjusts. And really uh, T Frank with this team, they haven't had to make so many adjustments this year because they've overpowered opponents. So it'll be interesting to see what Michigan has to do when they do, you know, find that something's not working or this isn't going right. What do we do now? Uh, they've been in that spot in the past, you know, last year and, and all that. And a lot of the same guys are back and, and coaches are back. But mm-hmm. this year's a new team, and we'll kind of see how they handle that on Saturday. So these two points, I, I can't find a way to talk about them without talking about number one. So we're going to get to number one, and then we're basically going to talk about two and one together because I think that the the key to the Michigan defense is everything that you just said plus a, just a little more, a couple more nuggets, and then we can talk about the whole thing because it is going to be a fascinating matchup. Number one. Michigan loves to play, from what I've seen, cover three and just play coverage. And you mentioned not playing a lot of guys in the box. They also don't blitz a whole lot. So four up front, a four-man pass rush, a light box, the Penn State offensive line, their ability to control what happens up front or lose control of it, I think is going to be monumental in this game. And you mentioned a couple of times, Minnesota was one of the games you, you just to give a direct reference of a couple of times, you saw Michigan maybe give up a couple of run plays and then they shut it down immediately. Um, it's just, it's, it's going to be fascinating to see how the offensive line for Penn state, as you mentioned, um, the best they've seen so far. I wrote about that over at blueeyedillustrated.com. Great reason to sign up for 50% off to go get some of that information. But, uh, this matchup of the defense versus Penn state's offensive line, can Penn state change some of those factors? Like you said, the nickel and will they have to blitz to get pressure? Cause Penn state has been pretty good. Uh, against four-man rushes, obviously against Ohio State, not so much, but for the most part this season, against some good defensive lines, they've handled that. Um, when it comes to adjusting, where is it if they ha- have... Do you have any specific examples? You said they haven't had to adjust a whole lot. Have there been any games where you've seen them adjust? And if so, what did they do? The Minnesota game is a fantastic example um, because Minnesota just kept running that kind of wide zone play over and over. And they had a a drive, drive and a half where they were able to move the football. Michigan did adjust. They were able to move their edge rusher um, closer in, actually, uh, instead of so far out wide. And then they were able to kind of, you know, contain the edge, make him stretch it out. And then the rest of the defense flows and they really shut that down. Um, so that's one thing I would expect Penn State to, to go to that play probably at some point. Yep. Um, you know, it's something it's you know, it, it would be smart to do, obviously, watching the film throughout the year. So 
they've had to adjust in that way. You know, there have been a couple other times where, like I said, you know, you'll have a drive from a team where they're running the ball a little bit. Uh, Purdue even had some success on the ground, but then Michigan has had, to, you know, has been able to adjust. So, you know, it's not that they haven't adjusted to anything this year, more so in that way, I would say it's more game flow of, of okay, yeah. like this thing's really going wrong for, you know, a quarter or two quarters. And, you know, how do you play to overcome that, I guess. Um, but that's, that's going to be really interesting. And then when you look at the pass rush specifically, you know, there's not an Aiden Hutchinson or David Ojabo on this team at edge rusher. They don't, you know, they play four edge rushers. They're all pretty solid. None of them, I don't, you know, are elite in my opinion. And that's, that's kind of been something that hasn't really hurt them all that much this year. They've been able to get pressure a decent amount. The interior has been pretty good at generating some pass rush. Yeah. They will get their hand on the quarterback's arm. They will bat passes down. So, you know, that's kind of a, in essence, pass rush as well. Um, you know, especially the batted passes have been way up this year. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be interesting to see if they can get that pressure without blitzing. Um, because then you, you know, and they will they will blitz their nickel. They will blitz number 23 linebacker Michael Barrett, who is extremely fast. He's former, been great. On yeah, he has been. He's been awesome. He's in his sixth year. Uh, and has really taken off. He started his career as a Viper, you know, kind of like a hybrid type guy. He was a quarterback in high school. He's got the speed, um, dual threat guy at quarterback as a high school player. So that's, uh, you know, I think they will blitz if they need to. But like you said, they're hoping they don't have to. Um, and they're hoping they can get some pressure on, you know, a couple of really good tackles from Penn State. Uh, but it's something that I've pointed to all year. And I know some Michigan fans are probably tired of me talking about it, but they got to get pressure with four in the biggest games. It's not against Indiana or whoever it's against Penn state, Ohio state, potentially Georgia, you know, whoever they have to play down the road, if they get there. Um, And that's, that's going to be really important. And this is the first time where we'll know if they can do that or not. That to me, that's the point of shutting down the Penn state offense. If you can get pressure with four, it's not just that that's the most ideal way to do it. It also allows you to take away certain things that the Penn State offense likes. So if Mike Sanders still is in the slot and he's covering that far flat and he doesn't have to be a part of the run or the pass rush, suddenly Drew Aller's easy access throws against cover three and soft zones. That's a tight window throw. That's a potential interception. You're just Michigan's able to take everything away by playing with that light box to that is what they did last year as well, by the way is they were able to shut down the run basically with three players. And when you can do that, I don't know what there is left for the offense to do other than, you know, get some broken plays, Sean Clifford running for a, a long run, <laughs> something like that. Um, yeah. So it, it's going to be it's going to be fascinating. Penn State's offensive line is improved. Their defensive line is improved. And that's on tape. The question is, are they improved to the level to play in this game? And that's the that's the trauma. That's the open wound on every Penn State football fan that I've been hearing about for 365 days, Clayton. Is that, I mean, like, so James Franklin, I remember his press conference after the game. I remember watching it. You know, I was over at the Michigan media stuff. Yeah. But it was like all he was talking about was we got to get bigger. We got to recruit better, whatever. They stopped the run against everybody else last year. Yeah. It seemed like. And they've stopped the run at an incredible rate this year. So is it actually a problem or was that kind of an anomaly in, in one game type of thing? I guess that's, yeah. you know, I don't watch enough Penn state to really know the answer to that. And I'm interested to see, you know, in Michigan's run game again is not as good as it was a year ago. So I don't know that it'll be as much of an issue, but you pointed out earlier, nobody saw 418 rushing yards coming last year either. So yeah. you know, anything can, can kind of happen, I guess, but, but I'd like to hear kind of your thoughts on that. 
So when I broke down the game afterwards, that that pin and pull, they were pinning, they were using the pin and pull into the boundary and forcing Penn State yeah. their corners to uh, attack the run. And I think part of that was watching Joey Porter Jr. try and tackle. And then secondarily, um, Abdul Carter was a freshman, and they just didn't get to those gaps. They really struggled from a speed perspective because I don't think we again we had not seen that on film where they would run those pin and pulls and they broke some tendencies so that it was late and they were struggling to understand what gap they need to get into and that led to a lot of those explosive plays and then once you're off balance then the basic stuff started to fall apart where you've got an inside zone that goes for 70 yards or whatever it was that I think the the kind of the the nail in the coffin was a basic run up front so it, it's funny it wasn't necessarily getting overwhelmed. There were plays where guys were not big enough to be in the right gap. Penn State's bigger, and they're more gap sound this year, and their linebackers are better. So that is that is those those are the things that have happened since then. And in that particular game, it was uh, I think it was a surprise that it happened that way. At home is another thing too, where Michigan, you know, Penn State doesn't get blown out almost ever except yeah. for in Ann Arbor. That's the only place it seems <laughs> like they cannot play and keep their composure in certain situations. So I'm I'm fascinated to see how it goes this year because I do think that the Penn State front seven is very good. It's going to be, and somebody asked this earlier in the chat. I want to bring this particular question up. David Greeter says, is Manny more or less aggressive this week to maintain gap accountability? I don't think you can change who you are in a game like this. I think you need to go in and play your game and that's the whole point of what we're talking about here is they've been hitting their gaps really well in this particular defensive scheme. So there's no reason not to other than you might get beat. You know, having a gap open, Blake Corum is absolutely going to find it. Yeah, that's that's a good point too. I, I don't know what Penn State's going to do. Again, you're the Penn State expert, but I would think against this Michigan team too, like we saw Ohio State last year, they had no depth to their defense most of the game. They did a lot of run blitzes. They were coming downhill. They were intent on stopping the run. And that's when some of Michigan's biggest plays happened because there was yep. no depth. Again, you miss you know one gap. You, yep. you don't fit it correctly. And you know, Donovan Edwards, who was extremely fast, is gone. Blake Corum wasn't playing, you know, he wasn't fully healthy in that game. But in other games, you know, he's gone in those situations. Haven't had as many big runs this year, but um, It'll be interesting because I do agree with what you alluded to, and we kind of talked about it earlier. But they're going to have some some different things like throughout the, these games early on. They'll kind of show one of their one of their wrinkles, and then they'll like they'll dial everything back, and then it's just kind of inside zone, um, not even as much outside zone. They won't even run as much play action. You know, it's like yeah. they will hold a lot back. Jim Harbaugh has been known to do that, and then when the bigger games come around, you're really seeing them kind of let it fly. Um, so that's going to be. That's going to be something I would watch as well. Michigan's not going to change their identity, but they will have some different things ready to go, I think, for this game. And Penn so, State will too, I'm sure. Yeah, so those were my five things. Do you have anything else that uh, I missed, Clayton? Something that you think is going to be a big factor that we didn't talk about today? Only thing, and I wrote about this this morning, um, is just I, I think third downs are going to be so big on both sides. Yes. Penn State struggled on third down. They struggled against Ohio State on third down. They'll be at home. It's going to be a different type of game. And one thing I think of too with like Ohio, you know, Penn State or Michigan has the advantage of watching Penn State play Ohio State, right? These three teams are pretty comparable. Yeah. Well, Penn State has the advantage of having played Ohio State, learned from that game, understood what they did wrong. Now they're coming at home 
against a team that's, you know, has a lot of distractions surrounding it, that sort of thing. So each team has kind of an advantage in that way. But um, third down is going to be huge. JJ, we talked about it with him earlier, doesn't need to be in third and four to convert. You know, he can be in yeah. third and 14. He did that twice against Michigan State with absolute seeds, and then they move the ball down and they score. So Michigan's been really good on third down. They've been really good at stopping third downs. Penn State's been good at stopping third downs, but they haven't been as good at converting them on offense. They don't create big plays. Um, only 24 plays of 20-plus yards, I believe, which is tied with Iowa and Northwestern. So if Michigan can force Penn State, keep, you know, don't allow the big plays, force them into third down situations, then, you know, and make Drew Aller make plays against you, make him beat you yeah. um, and stop the run, then I think they're going to have a, a pretty good shot. But it's I said chess match earlier for, you know, Manny Diaz against the Michigan offense. I think it's going to be a really fun chess match to watch because it's a matchup type of game. When Michigan plays Penn State, they usually have, you know, each team has similar talent. Yeah. You know, I mean, both are well coached and it's kind of one of those games that could go either way. You said uh, Penn State doesn't get blown out except for in Ann Arbor in Jim Harbaugh's tenure. I mean, the only times they've gotten blown out a couple times against Ohio State. But Penn State is is uh, in 2017, you know, is one of those examples yeah. as well. So and I know there's no, you know, Saquon and all that, but, you know, you never know what could happen in a tough environment like this. So it's going to be a ton of fun. My first trip there and I am super excited. I'm so glad you mentioned third down. Uh, th one of the reasons I didn't bring it up here is because uh, Nate Bauer beat me to the punch. He wrote about it as well over at BlueWayLotion.com. I, yeah. I love the fact that everyone knows this game. Like, it feels like it's pretty clear of here are the situations and let's find out together because there's there's um, as much as we have this question about uh, Michigan and the level of competition, they're obviously a very good team. And that's one of the things that I find fascinating is you mentioned similar comparable talent between these two teams, but Michigan has been very effective um, over the last two years. So uh, what is the separating factor? Uh, that has allowed them to turn the corner where Penn State is still trying to turn the corner and be one of those elite teams because you don't have to go very far to a time where these two teams were in the exact same position as they're both right here and Ohio State's right here. And suddenly the last couple of years, things have turned the corner for for uh, Michigan. I want to get your perspective on, on what that might have been for, for the Wolverines. Yeah, when I was exchanging emails with Nate Bauer earlier in the week, you know, a lot of his answers on some of the big picture stuff I asked him were, were uh, you know, things that we're very familiar with here that, you know, Michigan's been in, in the exact same spot in years past. I, I will say, I think uh, a couple things. One, the offensive line has been really the identity of this team over the last few years. They've really gotten good there this year, particularly and, and last year, but more so this season, just the quarterback play. I mean, you got to have an elite quarterback if you're going to compete at this level. I think Penn yeah. State's going to have that in the future with Drew Aller and Michigan certainly has that right now with the Heisman trophy contender back there. Um, and then defensively what they've, what they've really done with their defensive coordinator hires um, have been stellar. Uh, they've gotten yep. the culture really right at this point. Um, and, you know, so there are just so many different factors. I mean, Harbaugh a couple of years ago replaced six of his 10 assistant coaches and went a completely different direction and it paid off. So, um, not not saying Penn State needs to do that if we're you know comparing. I'm just saying from a Michigan standpoint, right? It seems like every button he's pushed has kind of worked. Um, but you know there there are a, a million little things I think that have gone into their stretch of success. 
And the biggest thing this year, despite the level of competition, is they've returned just about everybody. I mean, they had the fifth most returning production in college football, including your quarterback, in a league where a lot of teams weren't returning as much. Um, So they've got old guys that stuck around. They've got young guys that are talented. It's kind of blended together pretty well. And now these next three weeks are going to determine, you know, and define what this season is for the Wolverines. So last question I have for you, I always like to give people the out of you don't have to give a specific score. I hate that. I people, by the way, people ask me on Tuesday. I'm like, I don't know. Here's a number. Um, I don't know until Thursday. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I can give you a score. Yeah. So, so what, so what do you got? I mean, people are going to kill me here. So maybe I'll, I'll, I got 34 to 20. Michigan is what I picked over on our site. Um, You know, I I think that I do think Penn state's going to have some success moving the football against this Michigan defense. It'll be the first team to really do that. You look back at some of the scores, even Michigan hasn't allowed over 13 points in a game. A lot of those touchdowns are in garbage time mm-hmm. against the backups. People have been kind of roasting the backups this year. They've blown a few shutouts. Um, but I, I do think Penn state's going Champagne to be able to do problems that. problems for sure. <laughs> oh, a hundred percent, hundred percent. But I, again, it's just like when you go into these big games, I, I trust the quarterback who's been playing better um, you know, Michigan has seen that throughout the years on the flip side, you go into Ohio state, um, you know, even Penn state a couple times as well. You don't have the better quarterback. It's hard to win these big games. It's hard to win them on the road. Uh, Michigan's won 21 straight big 10 games. They are probably at the best point they've been at as a program, maybe minus some off field distractions in that time right now, this week with, you know, all the experience they have and the talent they have. So I got Michigan winning a game that's going to be close basically the entire way through, maybe, you know, put on a score late in the game to, to pull away a little bit, but I know I'm going to get roasted in the comments and the message board. So, well, uh, it, it's not anything new. This is the internet, Clayton, you're going to get roasted no matter what, uh, every, I know. all, all of it is fair game, uh, apparently, but we're, we're in the same, we're in the same position. I think it's a little bit closer. We talk about paths to victory, JJ McCarthy, the run game. If you completely forget about Blake Corum, he's going to rip off some big runs as well. So I just think that the the uh, the balance they present is more consistent than the Penn State balance, which has been in the last five quarters much better. And to me, that's the wild card is Drew Allard, the way he played against Maryland. It was there was another level of confidence from him that is beyond just Maryland is bad. He was hitting throws right. that he was refusing earlier in the year. So if he if that guy comes out and is confident, I do think he can battle with uh, a pretty consistent zone of what they've that they've shown. This is the area where I'm so fascinated. What are the wrinkles going to be if they come out and do less of the same of what they've done? Then that can be a situation where it might it might cause him to pause, and you know, mm-hmm. just that brief split second of um, indecision from the quarterback. He is not going to throw the ball to the other team. He doesn't take the cheese when it comes to disguised coverage, but he might turn down open receivers if he's not sure what he's looking at. The consistency of McCarthy, I think, is just that gives you more belief in uh, the matchup on that side. So I think I had 27, 24, uh, Michigan. But I saw it. Yeah, your guys' predictions. I think everybody but one of you had had Michigan, which I mean, it's always kind of funny looking at like because when you cover a team, you're just so in the foxhole, like right, only looking at your team. And I think you do a great job of looking at other teams. I wish I had more time, honestly, to to do that, or I devoted more time to it. Um, but I, I just thought that was that was interesting. Um, I, I would give Michigan an edge, but yeah, I, you know, it seems like that's kind of the consensus, which is a little bit scary, I think, for for some Michigan fans. 
Well, let's uh, let's get out of here before the grenades start start falling, Clayton. Uh, appreciate you being on the show. Thank you so much again. Go check him out uh, on the Wolverine, our sister site over in the On Three Network. Both of us running a great deal right now, fifty percent off uh, all of our premium content for new subscribers. You can go read up my matchup profiles at BlueWhiteIllustrated.com. You can check out stuff from Clayton as well. I I'm assuming your third down article is chocked with awesome information. So check all of that stuff out on either site. We'll be back tomorrow with our live tailgate show. Former Penn State defensive tackle Anias Hawkins is going to join us. 9 a.m. live outside the Bryce Jordan Center. We're breaking down the game from his perspective and giving you more information, more ammo going into Penn State and Michigan. It's finally here, noon tomorrow. Talk to you later.